Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to try told him I'm a beast, blood. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day, and we have a special, special, two special guests today. We have my partner uh, in business, Matt Diolis, Yay. and then uh, head coach of Pine Richland, uh, Coach John Ladon. Am I pronouncing it the right way? Yes, sir. That's the it. Don, the Don John Ladon came Father. came right in. This this should be special. And we got we got people of all different walks of life spread out the country that listen to this, but. This should be a good one for uh, for leadership stuff. Uh, Coach was in his first year last year at Pine Richland, 2022 yep. season, Whippeal champions and also state champions, which we'll dig into a little bit, which, which is what's special about that. If anybody that recognizes leadership in sports knows the job that had to be done in the locker room, in the kids' hearts, minds, uh, to start out one and three, and then run the table and win a state championship in first a uh, in, in a very good uh, state and powerhouse, you know, division first year, uh, which is super rare uh, for that to happen. Uh, comes out of uh, Penn Hills, right? I think he went to school. Or uh, no, you went Aliquippa, went Aliquippa right? And then you were Hills. coaching at Penn Hills. Yes, and uh, Penn Hills had a record of 46 and 14. You know where he got to start coaching? Not a, not a KO. Oh, yeah. Not a KO. Oh. Not, <laughs> I can't not, not a KO. My okay. Eagles. All right. He was yeah, KO. Think, uh, yeah. 2006 time frame there about with Coach Cam Barris. You know, uh, he's so. the man. Love Cam it. Barris was my. Uh, I didn't know that till you said it. He was my gym coach. Okay. Senior year. Uh, you know, I had a gym teacher, awesome guy. Yeah, he started a KO. And, and then five years, uh, over five seasons at Penn at Hills? Penn Hills, yes, sir. Were you the head coach the whole head time coach there? there. I, I spent three years before that at Shaley, which was a grind. Okay. You know, but. Uh, here now upon Richland where we live and excited. So just well decorated. You know, Penn Hills won won the conference a uh, couple different times, won a state title there also. Right? Yes, How many sir. states? Six, uh sixteen and oh there. So sixteen and oh. That's that's yeah. difficult. We 16. went uh my senior year in high school, we won a state championship, went fourteen and one and uh lost to at the time, if you look at the records. Uh, worst team in our conference. I mean, we beat teams that were ranked ranked in the nation. So that's special to I've keep everybody too, man. F- locked 15 in. 15 and one senior year football, lost in the state championship, and then went and lost in the uh, state championship of basketball two senior years. So, uh, mm-hmm. man, Aliquippa. that's tough. Yes, Powerhouses at at, uh, at Aliquippa, I'm bummed out. I know they're playing, uh, is it this upcoming week? They're, they're going to be playing at, at uh, Steelers Stadium. No, I still new, can't get, stadium, get accustomed to yeah. Accrashire. But I think they're playing down there. I got invite from a friend to come down there, and I, I like watching. Uh, I've been to a couple games at at Aliquippa, and so you've been coaching since two thousand and seven. Thereabout, yes, right somewhere somewhere around there. And then so in college, you played Robert Morris, right linebacker, uh, defensive captain, uh, three years as a defensive captain. Is yes, that right? sir. I started all four years. Came in as a freshman. Was out there early. Uh, working with the coaches in May and June and got the opportunity to get on the field first time, first game as a freshman and uh, went from there and just kept climbing the ladder. So defensive player your senior year, uh, that alone says a lot about you from a leadership standpoint. Um, I was a captain in, in high school, captain in college, one year. So to do it three years, they're not just giving mm-hmm. – 
they're not giving somebody the title of captain, especially unless you're a quarterback or something like that. Just very rare. Just so for the listeners that don't understand, you, you don't get, you don't end up as a defensive captain three years in a row unless you're doing something special, special, not just physically, but something special got to be going from a leadership standpoint. Speaking of leadership, you're a husband and a father of three. Three? Yes, sir. Okay. You got boys, girls? Uh, two girls and a boy. Two so. girls and a boy. And I heard uh, your boy's a monster. Yeah. You That's know, the word on the street. He, he's been around the game since he was, you know, born. Uh, been on the sidelines since he was a year old. Knows how to go about business. He's seen, been around winning programs, so he he knows what he needs to do. So just excited to watch him grow and develop over these next uh, eight, ten years. Yeah, that's exciting. Two, two girls, McKenna and Mia, two, two basketball all-stars. And okay. I mean, same thing. They've yeah. been around. And I think uh, your wife's cheerleading coach. Maggie, yeah. Yeah, coach right? cheerleading. She was a uh, – Division one softball player in college. So oh, just, she understands. You got it. The kids are getting it from <laughs> both sides. Mia, McKenna, and, and Marco. Marco. All okay, all she got the M's. Okay, yeah, we so, couldn't sneak no J's. You know, uh, no. But uh, understands the grind and what it means to uh, be committed to a program. So that's key. Blessed. I think that's that's blessed. that's critical. You know, when you you mentioned that this is the grind cast studio. <laughs> so I love that you're mentioning the the grind. And, you know, I got – I know Maddie's been on the grind now coaching over there. Uh, I love – he could tell you I love the game so much. You know, my son's five. I come to their practices just to just to be around. You know what I mean? I, I miss the game so much. But I, I know the, the grind, you know, as a coach. I know the influence, you know, as a coach, as a head coach. You end up being a, a father, you know, to a lot of these, a lot of these kids at a, at a pivotal moment, you know, of their life. You mentioned, you know, you were you were at KO, you were at Shaler, you know, eventually before the the Penn Hills and all that. So there's a process that comes before the the state championships and the titles and, and all that stuff. And I know part of that process is, you know, it's not always, you know, the best paid job because I know that you're working. I know the amount of if you're winning at that level. I know the amount of hours, you know, from team building, you know, extra stuff with with the with the uh, with the players, to film, and the work that goes into it. You know, it's it's how, how did you get through the process of that of that grind? You know, the the schedule and everything, uh, the building up of it before you became a head coach, having your wife stick behind the vision, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, Talk to I mean, us about just- that. Kind of all I've ever known, you know. It started at a young age, the preparation that goes into everything. Even at the uh, youth level, like these guys are going through now. I mean, when when I played youth at La Laquipa, we went away for camp. So, like, the big team, we went away for a week at camp. And just seeing the preparation, I had some great coaches in high school. You know, we spent a lot of hours uh, after practice outside of the weight room in the meeting room in season what's 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 the hours look like you think i mean if you had to you probably don't count because you love it yeah you but know, if you I mean, had to putting, if you had to count what do you think hours we're putting in a we're week putting in probably five six hours a day during the week and then weekends probably i mean i try to take saturdays off for the family and then do all my stuff on sundays but uh Sundays could be an eight, 10 hour day just in film breakdown, preparation, tendencies, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, I involved a family in it too. So Sunday nights, we'll go through and run through the stats again. And my daughter and my son will get everybody involved for us. Yeah, for sure. 
blend it. So right, we yeah. we say in the process of building, sometimes it's not quite always the exact word balance, but blend it together. It becomes this is the family business. You know, we're all in it. We're well, all in no it together. Doubt about it, and it's like, hey, being so close now, I tell the family, like, hey, got to run up to the stadium real quick. Hop hop in the car. We go to the stadium. Bang out a half hour work up there and then back to the house, you know, so. Practices typically when they get out of school, right? For the most part, Thursday nights we go and uh, invitation will be coming out to the U teams again every Thursday night. We'll have one of the U teams up there practicing with us under the lights. But uh, Monday through Wednesdays after school, Thursday under the lights. Monday through Wednesday, right after school, Thursday under the lights. Love Thursday under that's the right. lights, right? Get you, that, that's exciting. And then I love how you're getting the youth involved. Is that you know, partially just wanting to get give back to the kids, getting kids excited, or, or is that, man, long-term vision, we're going to build a program where everybody's bought in? Yeah, that's all of it. It's, it's the community aspect, the family aspect, you know, wanting them to be uh, with us, looking up to our kids for role models, but at the same time, our kids understanding that those, those kids are looking up to them and just being a part of the whole, you know, Pine Richard football program. How do you balance, you know, that if, if Monday through Wednesday is after after school, Right. So so you have kids. Kids are going to school. So then after school, you're working, you know, work, working with the team Thursday night. You're under the lights. That's probably going to be a, a 10, 10, 11 o'clock by the time you get settled, you know, at home. Then Friday, Friday night lights. That's a Friday evening, you know, deal and all that. Saturday, we're trying to take off. You probably squeeze Saturday in a couple so, yeah. pokes and <laughs> peek, take a peek at some film or something. And then Sunday, you're back. You're back to the grind again. What, what has been a strategy for you? as a father, as a husband, to be able to maintain? I mean, a lot of it's, it's a lot of early mornings, right, getting into work because I'm working a, a full-time job. At, on top uh, of it. The Navy Nuclear Labs, too, on top of that. So it's getting in at 5 in the morning, typically. Uh, you start at 5. Yes, sir. To okay. get out of there by one thirty, two o'clock, and then to the, right right to the stadium. And then, you know, hopefully catch some of the youth practice, whether that's uh, football or coaching youth basketball in the uh, winter here. And then, uh, you know, you have a good support structure at home with the wife and the grandparents and everything that help run kids everywhere. So you're starting at 5 a.m. What time are you waking up? I'm usually up at 3.45, 4 o'clock at the latest. 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yes, and you're going, by the time you walk in the house on a Monday, Tuesday, what, what time do you get home? 8.30, 9 o'clock typically. 5 to 9. Yes, sir. Not a 9 to 5. You're on the grind. You're, you're on that 5 to 9, nine schedule. Sure. How important do you think it would be, you know, to say spousal support? I you mean, know, that, for somebody that wants to do what you're doing, how important? wouldn't be able to do it without that support at home, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we live in a great community. I have some great friends that help out as well, you know, with, with the carpool, getting the kids here and there. But uh, tremendous amount of support at home with Maggie for sure. Do you think people could could coach it at that level and have success at that level without having support if somebody's not behind them? Uh, like, sooner like, or later, you're going to run out of time and not be able to put it, put what's needed in, what's required to do that. What do you mean by what's required? Just all the extra time. You know, I, I mean, I got a coaching staff, uh, twenty some guys. You know, and I want them to have families too. So I, I signed up to be the head coach, and when you're the face of the program, the man in charge, you got to go above and beyond. So. Just willing to do whatever's needed. Whatever it takes. No doubt. Okay. And, Maddie, what, what was, you know, the, you're doing a little bit of coaching and business at, you know, at the same time. Right. Your success in business, I've been able to watch, you know, from the beginning of meeting your wife, literally from yeah, the, like, right. from the jump all the way till now. And I could, you know, tell you from the outside my perspective, but what is your perspective on how important in, in, in leadership, 
business yeah. when you've seen people? Yeah, of course. You know, how important would you say that is? Uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible to do without, but man, I, I it, it would make it a whole heck of a lot harder. Uh, when you got the support, you don't have to worry about that. You know, if you heard his schedule, just that's 35 to 40 hours of coaching a week. You plus know, 40 hour job. Plus a full time. So he's, he's running 80, no question. And family. I don't know that you could balance all that with 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 no support from home and be at, at your best. So shout out to Courtney, shout out to Maggie, and you know I think that any anything anywhere you go, you're going to hear a universal language, and most people that are successful in whatever they do, they're going to talk to you about a support of whether that's spouse or inner circle that they have some sort of. It's also to have that support at work as well. You know, I mean, I got to work for a pretty good manager and a pretty good company where that it. provides that flexibility as yeah, well. Of so. course. So, coming into the uh, Pine Richland program, first year we mentioned you won a uh, won a state championship. Started out a little rocky, you know, one and three. Um, we don't need to get too deep into it, unless you unless you want to. But let's just tell the audience there was a little bit of controversy. You know what I mean? A little bit of uh, of obstacles coming in, a little bit of controversy surrounding the situation, and, and you come in and you're coming us, into Western Pennsylvania football. Where, where the expectation, you're not going, you know. Is it's like Youngstown. Like, hey, first year controversy, you know, the expectation is winning in Western PA. So, you know, that's a lot to come into. And so how do you how do you navigate here, it? You know? What was that like? And that was even bigger at Pine Richland due to the recent success that the program had and even back in the early 2000s with, with previous coaches' staff. But, uh, you know, what Coach K did here on the football field, uh, the success that he brought to the program, you know, there were there were high expectations coming in. And, you know, my expectations were even higher. But when you come in and you start one and three, there's a lot of questions to be had. And, you know, uh, the wife was a little concerned that the neighborhood was going to burn the house down. <laughs> but, you know, we got the ships right. But a lot of it was building relationships with the mm-hmm. kids. Uh, lived in the community for 10-plus years, so I knew a lot of these guys growing up as they were coming up through the youth programs. My daughter was chairing and stuff. So I knew uh, what we had in the the team and the individuals, but had to bring it all together and uh, spent a lot of time the first few months just doing uh, team activities, uh, bonding type things, bringing everyone together. It starts with relationships. Yes, relationships you think it starts with relationships? Making kids care about each other, not just themselves, and putting the team before themselves. I think Coach Campbell always had a shirt that said, like, big team, little me on it, you know. Uh, you need kids that don't care about their success, but the overall team success. And Coach Walton used to always say at Robert Moore's as well, you know, individual success comes from the team success. So, uh, you know, it, that that's just the way I live my life and I built our program. Which which strategies would you say as a coach, you know, coming in that you've – because you've probably coached some really good athletes, you know, that may be physically or superior. What, what strategies have worked or would you suggest for people that I'm, I'm coming in – and we want to have a culture of, of, of big team, little me. But at first, maybe you see it's that person. As you develop that person, it's it's big me, little team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, Don, how do you how do you how do you that. do that? Because you're dealing with egos. You know what yeah, I mean? At that uh, level. I mean, I opened it up pretty much opened it up to my own family and saw how important the family environment is. You know, uh, they've been a part of everything we did with every program we've been at, and. Uh, the boys treat the kids just like brothers and sisters, but it's just, you know, getting them to understand there's so much more out there than themselves. Like we preach a lot about the community pride, the name on the front of our Jersey, not the back of our Jersey and just giving back in general. Mm-hmm. Any, any thing that you could think of, you know, if you don't have to tell the name, you know, like I think if you're like, Hey, Simon, do you have any 
people that were talented in your business, but they were kind of a challenge, you know, to lead yeah, and to get yeah. bought into the team. I could think of a few. You know, what which you look at me when which you, you definitely <laughs> were you, you definitely were I wish no. they all come <laughs> like you, man. The but but any strategies, you know, if there's a leader out there or a coach out there where it's like, man, I got a a, a guy or a gal with a with a super talent, yeah. you know, they're a little bit better talent wise. How do I get them to bring the team together or they want to go to college so they want to put stats up they're, they're worried about how many touchdowns they're scoring you know how many yards this fourth quarter versus you know run the ball i need you to throw me the ball because i need to you know i need to pat these stats the a little bit there, how yeah. do you how do you manage that uh, it's tough sometimes right there's only one ball to go around but the the more that you make that a family environment like obviously uh there's different situations in every program. Like what I dealt with at Penn Hills is a little different than what I deal with at Pine Ridge. No doubt. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're dealing with 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Uh, you know, they need loved up. Show them you love them, care about them, and they're willing to do anything you want. Same in business. Yeah, and, and you know, we try to relate it to business. So you might have someone out there that's taking over a new position, a new team. Like, what do I do, right? And, and I think – he just hit it spot on. If he caught it, it was like he didn't go in with what the schedule is going to be. He went in with, all right, how do I build Priority trust? was building relationships. How do I build relationships yeah. with it? Which I can attest in his first year seeing him at kids' practices. You know, and he's a high school coach. He'll be, he'd be at uh, wrestling practices. He'd be at basketball practice. Building relationships. Talking to young kids, meeting the parents. So he was, you know, they felt I would put that under the category of when he said, whatever's required you choose to be the head man then then i'm going to do whatever's required building relationships getting out into the community you know and things that's of that so nature much more than just you know x's and o's coaching football a lot of people are really good football coaches but can they run a successful good football program there's a big difference there yeah and 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 the little things of oh man i'm already you're already tired i mean you're working you're starting at five o'clock in the morning you got your own program. You got your own yep. family. You know all that stuff. So in between, I got a couple hours. I can go home, or I could do something else. I'm choosing to go down here and talk to people in the youth programs, and I'm going to go down here and deal with with see what's going on with the wrestling and stuff like that, and and get your face out there and, and get your heart out there and and uh, get out with the people in the community. Do you see those are the those are the things that separates? You know, you sounds you know I'm sure you've had great mentors and leaders and people that have impacted your life do you think those are the things that impact people the difference maker in going to the next level or not yeah i think it is because they really show like you could preach all these things but unless you're showing by example you know kids might not buy into what you're preaching yeah speaking of of uh mentors do you have any mentors you know that have helped you in yeah, in I the mean, game or, or? I mean, it started so early i mean in the game of football like I said, our linebacker coach, Dan Metro, and uh, Pete Short, our defensive coordinator at Equipa, the amount of time that they were willing to put in after practice, after lifting in film sessions, you know, opening their house to the players. or cause Back then, you had one VHS tape, you know. So to, to watch film, you pass that tape around to everybody. No doubt. So we all got together at a coach's house. It ain't like nowadays where you pick up your phone, you watch game film right on your phone. Right. So, uh, you know, those guys put a lot of time in to to invest in children of that community, you know, and that's what we talk about all the time, investing in our future. Uh, you know, then you get to Robert Boards and you got 
three NFL players, coaches in uh, Joe Walton, Dan Radakovich, and Joe Banizak. I mean, them guys were amazing. And the staff that they assembled. What did you that. learn from them? Like uh, what a couple of things. I'm sure it's a ton of things. If yeah, you had to say, man, I can summarize, you know, let me give you two, three, two, three things. I, I think, uh, you know, going to Robert Moore's being coached by them guys. I've always been coached by Western PA style coaches, you know, and it was, you know, hard nosed, tough grit, grinding every day. You know, we talked about the physical mentality on defense, hitting everything that moves. Offensively, we're going to be a powerful, explosive offense. And when, when teams get out of games with us, they're going to know who they play. And, you know, that's how I live my life. That's how I coach my team. That's how I run my program. Love it. So getting back to your start, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, wisdom to be got, you know, from that. One, one and three probably wasn't your expectations coming in you you manage uh you mentioned like hey you know my wife was joking around they ain't gonna burn our house down you know <laughs> high expectations in western pennsylvania high expectations at, at pr a lot of pressure you know i mean you one and three you're going into in, in the next game you know you're th- i can't go one and four how did you manage the mental aspect of of because you had to have thoughts that creep in you kick them out but a yeah, thought that yeah. creeps in yeah. of Fear, negativity, stress, worry, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, we always preach that let's focus on what matters in this locker room, the opinions of those in this locker room. And, you know, we, we – we Blocking leaned, out the noise. Blocking out the noise. Like people say, we leaned on the leadership in the locker room. Yeah, we made some changes, but uh, it still took some time for maybe some of those people to buy into what we were selling, you know. But at the end of the day, uh, as we hit stride and started rolling – Maybe the one or two guys that were a little questioning what we were doing started to buy in. Maybe start racking up a couple out, wins. Started blocking out some noise. Maybe that was coming from home or something like that as well. Yep. Was the vision kind of day to day what we need to do? Is that what the conversations were week to week mixed in with where we're going for the year? Or, or would you try to keep them in the moment? Or was there coming in, hey, this is what we're going to do this year? I mean, we knew what expectation was, where we wanted to get. We talked about that early in the season, and then put. How that do you aside. keep them going? You know, we have yeah. high expectations, but we start out one and three. Yeah, you, you talk about those expectations, and then talk about, hey, now what's preventing us from getting there? At this point, we're one and three. Why are we one and three and not three and one or four and zero oh, or whatever that may be? You know, what's preventing us from getting there and get those things corrected? We had a lot of varsity young guys, first year varsity players out there last year that made a lot of mental mistakes early on that was costing us maybe a three-and-one start mm-hmm. compared to a one-and-three start. So, uh, you know, a lot of film work, a lot of film sessions, and just a lot of open and honest dialogue. How do you how do you get them zoned in? Like even right now, you know, we're, we're coming off a loss, right? Life, life sometimes you got to come off a loss. Um how, how do you get people zoned in? You know, I think that's a, a difference. Some people, they have a difficult time coming off of a loss or coming off of a couple losses. Which strategies or how do you, you know, get the team back settled in your mind of, you know, how do you get people zoned in after a loss? You know, it's, this this past loss was kind of humbling for these guys, you know, because I tell them it's a new year, new team. We're coming off a state championship. 
Everybody Mark, wants Mark's a piece. Mark's on us now. Everyone wants a piece. We played a really good team that we hung in there with. But, you know, a loss is a loss at the end of the day. And how we get these things corrected and change the mindsets of what, what some of our players are thinking on the field, right? We could draw everything up that we want, but we can't go out there and actually execute it for them. So trying to get in their minds of what they were thinking on certain plays to get that stuff corrected. Getting, getting in the players' minds yes, sir. as to what they're thinking. Yeah, that way we to can get those give, things give corrected. Yep. It's kind of like a, a roadmap of what you need to do out there. A mentor of mine and uh, like a father to me, probably know the name Jim Tressel. Yes, sir. And so, Coach, he always he, he preaches and teaches a lot, W-A-Y-T, what are you thinking? And he said it's, it's important. Um, you know, when I ask you the question of, man, if you had to summarize, you know, if I, I could write a book on all the things that, that Coach Trestle has taught me, but if I had to summarize a couple, this would be in the top five, you know, that I learned the W-A-Y-T of always knowing and trying to get to learn and know what your people are, are thinking and getting them open to, to tell you if they fear you, you know, either way they're thinking it. You know, he, he would tell me, listen, whether they tell you or they don't tell you, either way they're thinking it. So mm-hmm. if you don't find out what they're thinking, you don't have an, an ability for them to be impacted by what you want, the way that you want them to think, or they may be able to impact you, you know, the way that you're thinking, if, if you know what they're thinking, but you got to create that format where they're open, or at least someone on your staff can get, can get a feel for what they're thinking. Uh, no doubt is, you know, we always talk about communications being a two way street and, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of coaches. It's a one-way communication where they're not listening to what the player's actually saying. So, Maddie, you're great at that. I feel like <laughs> we're we're a good balance. Yeah, you know, right. That way, I feel like yep. you get people to open up, and and uh, your approach is you know it's a little smoother. Sometimes my delivery could be a little little rougher. In uh, matter of fact, and it's all I care, think, all good intentions. You know, what you're coming from. Is is it? Do you think it's easier to coach? coming off of a, a loss, and I'm going to ask you both this. Do, do you think it's easier, Coach Ladon? Ladon, do, do you think it's easier to come off of because Tress always used to say also, you know, success can be a bad teacher. You know, it's people start feeling themselves, mm-hmm. you know, after some victories. Do you think it's easier to coach coming off a loss or easier to coach coming off a, a win? Oof. I mean, I think, I think a lot of times coming off a loss, our players are more locked in to what we're saying as far as, you know, uh, how we're going to go about business, what we're going to do, what we're going to change. Whereas uh, a win, especially a win against certain teams, you know, that's meaningless. It doesn't do much but give you a win, uh, a check mark in the win column, mm-hmm. but it's not doing much to really improve your status uh, of playing abilities. So ears tend to be a little bit more open coming off a loss. Yes, sir. So now, so how do you coach then coming off off of wins? Because you rattled off, you know, if, if I do the math, one and three, you end thirteen and three. That means you rattle off 10, 10 straight wins. So you're you're on win five, you're on win six, you're on win seven. How how are you how are you keeping them locked in at that point? I think you said it earlier. Or even undefeated teams, because like you said you went undefeated. You know, yeah. you went undefeated. That got to be difficult. These, yeah, at least they had a taste of loss. It's the the little things, right? The little things that. We focus on the little things that we need to get corrected, the room for improvement, because we never play a perfect game. You're never out there perfect. You strive for perfection. But, uh, yeah, 16-0 and 0 was perfection back in 18, but there were still a lot of little things that we had to correct and adjust along the way to continue to improve and be better. 
Maddie, easier coming off a win or coming off a loss? I got to give a politician answer. <laughs> I think it's it's easier to coach when you have a winning culture, multiple wins in a row. If there's multiple losses in a row, I think it gets harder to coach that because yeah. the buy-in. You, right? you, yeah. you need a win. You need a bit. You need a win. You got to show yeah their confidence in. So what do you do as a coach to get their confidence up? Probably little wins, little victories as much as you can. The biggest thing you're dealing with with wins is keeping them focused for probably that week and what the overall bigger picture is and bringing them back to earth. But I would I, I would choose a winning culture. Yeah. I, I would choose coaching coming off wins. Yep. It's definitely easier. Right? But, I mean, like you talked about, you know, your expectations for the year. We get out there, we talk about when to play. Win the series, win the drive, you know, win the quarter, win the half, win the game. Staying in the moment. Break it down, you know, Staying in the moment. What are we doing now? now? Yeah. What's well, important now. now, right? So. I think, uh, you know, not to keep going back, and this wasn't part of my plan, but these these talking to a football coach and all that just brings me to pretty much, you know, you could – my most of my 30s is – I don't know if there's been too much bigger of an influence on my life than Jim Trestle. So it's hard for me to come up with things because a lot of the things weren't weren't my own. These were mm-hmm. things that I were that I was taught, you know, and learned, and things that have been pounded into my head. I remember him telling me when he first got to Youngstown State, and uh, they were like one and eight or zero oh and eight, you know, and and he's trying to change this culture, right. and and they played, I, I believe. Now, don't quote me; I'd have to go back and see, but I believe it was Akron, and Akron was D one. They were one double A. Youngstown State, and I think they they played Akron. He's like that was like one of the turning points. We went one and eight or two and eight or something like that. But that was the buy-in moment where you got to get a win, mm-hmm. and that win started to get the belief, and the belief started to create the the momentum, you know, for everything else. So I think that's you know I heard you say it. You know we're one and three. We just I think once we got that win, people started to buy in a little bit more. A couple more wins, people start buying in more, you know, and things that things of that nature. What's it like dealing with 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 uh, parents? You know, you're, you're dealing with kids. Uh, you know, that's people's most prized possession. Emotions get high. You know, I, I think Maddie's quoted. You know, to our organization, you say when when emotions get high, intelligence gets low. Mm-hmm. You know, when people start <laughs> overreacting. You know what I mean, Maddie? I think you're the one that brought that up. And Maddie, he, he coined the phrase here. You know, when emotions high intelligence gets low you know everybody gets all worked up you know what i mean and stuff like that how how have you you know been able to or what is it like you know dealing with parents because there's only one ball yeah right and only so many minutes in a a quarter and, and it matters to you you care uh, you're in the community, you know, things of that nature. We don't want the house burnt down, right? <laughs> so so how, how do you manage that as a coach? I mean, a lot of the times it's the, the parents that start that from the background, right? Uh, it's never the kids, really. But, I, I mean, I have a, a parent meeting very early in the season. You know, I tell them they got, they're attached to one individual on the team, maybe two if they got a brother. But I'm attached to 85, 90 individuals on the team, and I care about the team in general not just emotionally attached to one person, you know. Uh, for the most part, it's been pretty good. Never had – I don't want to say I never had any issues, but I have had minimal issues with parents related to uh, issues with how we conduct business. And then when you go on and you start rattling them off, winning, 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 a lot of that noise goes away. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, to, to help with you, what I've noticed is proactively he handled it. You know, I think of a 
situation last year before he was here, two of the youth teams went at each other in a Super Bowl. They both made the Super Bowl. And I think there was some um, unprofessional. Yeah. Two pine teams? Non-adult. Two of our pine youth teams against each other. And they had to play each other. Yeah, because they split the teams. Which is great because you got two teams playing in the Super Bowl. And I think things got maybe a little too heated. From a parent level, you know, and some, I don't, you know, I don't know the specifics of it, but I know there, were some, some, there were some feelings hurt. Yeah, you know, long story, there was a bad taste at the end of it, and him knew this year, um, it was happening again. They were going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, I'm sorry, two years ago is whenever it happened. Last year they went to the Super Bowl, the same thing, and he proactively sent an email out to every parent in all Pine Richland sports, from youth to things. Now, this is coming from the head coach of the high school High program. school, brand new. That's huge. That don't parent. happen no. in every community. About, about the previous year and how that can affect kids and what kind of behavior to have this year and how to be a leading example to people. And he don't know everybody in the organization yet. So well-written, well-thought-out, proactively, and – Sure enough, it went off, uh, and, and, and everybody was behaved, and it was a good taste. I, I mean, if, if that doesn't show the leadership, you know, coming in, man, you know, that was, I was very impressed yeah. by it. It's kind of like, you know, there's a winner and a loser, but at the same time with both Pine Richland teams in the Super Bowl, Pine right. Richland's a winner, you know what I mean? Right, and right. My son was playing in the game for a team, and the team that lost, and, you know, Sometimes life's hardest lessons are learned during losses. And, Amen. You know, we talked to some of them players on that team, and, and they rebounded, you know. But there were no hard feelings left between parents after that game. Everyone was, uh, you know, happy for Pine Richland. I think you hit it on the head with, with spotting that it was proactive. He yeah. said, I have a parents meeting, you know, proactively. Uh, I think that's key. I bet you not a lot of people do that, you know, proactively. I know – what we've tried to instill was, you know, if anybody's coming in, you know, I can't do this with hundreds of, of people that work with us. But, you know, as people come in, sometimes if it's a special scenario, I'll meet with the spouse because the spouse becomes more like the parent. Mm -hmm. You know what yep, I mean? No so I got to meet with the spouse and, and uh, try to make sure they're on board for what's getting ready to transpire, you know, in, in the amount of work and the amount of effort, you know, that goes in sometimes in business is, is a lot like, you know, sports, you know, I wasn't, uh, gifted, you know, from a physical size standpoint, you know, I tell people I was always good, but I was never great, but I was small. Mm -hmm. So my first year at Mercyhurst, um, uh, played division two, I got redshirted. You know, I think that transition year is, is probably the toughest for people. You know, that's when you go from, all right, I worked my way up. Now I was the man You're here big dog, right now. I'm coming back yeah, down. Yeah. I'm fifth on the depth chart, you know, and, 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 and the two guys above me are sophomore and junior and they're both good, you know? So it's like, and you want to transfer and, you know, you're thinking all these thoughts and, uh, and then you get redshirted. You know, I tell people when you get redshirted though, you do all the work and then some, but, but you don't, but, but you don't get playing time, mm -hmm. you know? So that's like, you're in business and you got to do all the work, but you're not getting the results, you know, immediately you got to be bought into the process, you know, that, that it requires and stuff like that. And so, uh, tell us, you know, how much of your mindset, you know, I know, you know, anywhere that I go, people, you know, they'll, no matter where I'm at, you know, I'm, I, I rock the Youngstown gear, Youngstown state right. gear. I never forget where, you know, where I came from. It's played such a big role and a big part of my uh, life, you know, and people see me in a suit, you know, and stuff like that. But they, you know, people that know me know I'm more comfortable not in a suit. Yep, and yep. Uh, I, I was blue collar, you know, I was raised by blue collar people. And uh, so I know the role 
that where you come up in, in the, the community and, and, and all that stuff could play a huge role, you know, in your life. What, what role do you think, uh, I know the tradition, you know, of, of Aliquippa from a sports standpoint, uh, hard-nosed standpoint, reminds me a lot of Youngstown. I know um, about it, old steel mill type blue collar. Yep. So how, 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 talk to people that don't know, you know, not all our listeners are in Pittsburgh. Talk to them about what's, how could you describe Aliquippa to them and what role has that played in your life? I mean, you know, uh, there's a book out called Plant Through the Whistle, a great book that portrays Aliquippa and goes back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, everything was like it. It's a big melting pot, you know. Uh, African-Americans, whites, uh, Asians, everyone living together. No one saw color. No one saw ethnicity or anything. You know, we loved each other. It was tough, though. I mean, I was growing up there at a time that the steel mills were closed, so a lot of people, it was like fight or flight. No doubt. A lot of people were leaving. A lot of the white people were especially leaving, getting out of there, moving to better communities. And then they come back thinking when you play them that they're better than you or something like that. But, you know, it was a daily grind. We looked at athletics as an opportunity to improve the situation, to get out of there. You know, I was fortunate I had two parents at home. Uh, my dad drove trucks for a living. My mom stayed home, was a stay-at-home mom, taking care of four kids growing up, you know. So it was hard. We lived in Where a, were you at in the four? Uh, I'm a twin, so we were the older brother, okay. two uh, twins, and then a younger brother. But shit, I mean, we lived in a, a three-bedroom house, you know. I take my kids back to my parents' house now. Like, wait, you shared a bedroom with your, you shared a bedroom with Uncle Jess? Yeah, on bunk beds. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you always want better for your children, and you want to provide more for your kids, and you do more for your kids. But uh, you know, that's humbling to them as well. You know, everything. Shit, we give our kids everything nowadays, right? But they need to know that you're gonna appreciate and respect what you get, and you're gonna earn what you get. You know, yep. you go. Do your schoolwork, do really good in school, do really good academically, athletically, and, and we'll take care of things, you know what I mean? When you meet his children, they're all super respectful, positive, good body language, nice, make you feel good. Um, um, so hats off, man. All three of the kids are awesome to be around. You know, Maddie, your dad, I think, was the president of the union. Oh, yeah. You know, was it, was in the union forever. And, I, you know, Four your months. family has yeah. that Duplex. background, you know, yeah. also. Yep. So don't get it twisted. No, right. it's like don't let you, the pink shirt fool you. How, how do you how do you install that into these kids that are growing up different in a different you know era community? Call it what you will. How do you install that into them without them having to go through those tough? Yeah, how do you that, instill that, that toughness? Growing up tough, you yeah. know that happens naturally sometimes uh, in a, in an environment that may not produce that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the day and age of entitlement by a lot of children, no especially in some of the communities that we're living in now, right? Uh, they don't get what they want. They want to quit uh, yeah. from an athletic side. Hit of the point, or, or it will make it better. We'll leave. I don't make this travel team. I'll leave and start my own travel team over here, whatever yeah. it is. But uh, at the end of the day, what are you teaching the kids, right? Yeah. I mean, college nowadays got the transfer portal. So college athletes aren't holding their end of the bargain. You know, they talk about, oh, coaches leaving this and that. But no one's uh, no one's seeing hard work pay off anymore. If, if they don't get what they think they deserve, they're automatically leaving, you know. It, right. it makes it tougher and tougher. So Everyone, how do you coach amidst that? How do you raise kids amongst that? I mean, we I'm dealing with it now on the team with certain kids that seniors think they should be playing, but they're not starting or this or that. And it's like, hey, 
sometimes when you work hard, you still don't get what you want. You know what I mean? You still got to grind every day. Or if you get in that position, that don't mean you're going to keep that position. So uh, it's a lot of effort, a lot of work, and and still in the right right mindset in these kids that, hey, I got to go out every day and compete. I think that's impossible to avoid. I mean, powerhouse organization, state winner, you're still going to have it. Nothing, No team, no business, no world, no family is going to be perfect. And uh, probably the stronger the relationships, you know, that, that you got, the little bit easier that becomes. But And you talk about, like, we're not just building high school athletes. Like, we're trying to build young men. Character. Yeah. Eventually. At pivotal you know, moments. Good husbands, yep. good fathers, and everything else. So, you know, time's going to get tough. You're going to be out there in the workforce one day. When you're not going to get that promotion, what are you going to do? Quit your job? Yep. Leave your family out to hang? No You're going to go back to work I try to not be too judgmental, so. but I, I'm, I'm going to give a little secret out, you know, right now of when I meet people in business and, and they tell me, I played at so-and-so college, this sport, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I played here, I played there. And I always follow it up by all four years. Just just a pulse check because I know that not only right. not nah, just the one year, you know, or just the two years and it, and again, you can't judge every situation cuz you don't know exactly, you know what happened, but definitely my antennas go up if if I hear you started and you didn't finish because oh, no I know I know what it takes that and it don't matter if it's D3 or D1, matter of fact, the lower the division probably the more grit. And so and so I I look at it and, and I'm thinking, okay, if this person played the whole time, stayed the whole time, they probably battled through some injuries. They probably battled through some coaches they didn't they didn't like. They probably battled through maybe they didn't immediately start, you know, or these these moments without giving up. These these things that show. Now, there's always different exceptions to the rule. Things pop up, but that's always a question, you know, for me when I ask is like, did you play all four years? Because I know that the the enticement to not play all four years, you know, because I had it, you know, I had, oh man, I ain't playing. I ain't starting. I could just go back and go to Mount Union and transfer Mm -hmm. right now. I go start right now. You know, those feelings versus like, all right, I'm number five on the depth chart. I'm five, seven, two dudes ahead of me are dogs. One's a D one transfer six, two, like, okay, how are we going to figure this one out? You know, and, and, and the grit that comes from that process of daily, you know, not knowing when your chance is going to happen, but when your chance does happen, you got to go out there like Tom Brady and make the most of it. You know no what doubt, I mean? No doubt. Because of the preparation, that's when they say luck meets is prep when pre- preparation meets opportunity. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think that what 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 would what would you say is your favorite traits um, of of players um, that you've coached, or maybe traits that stand out, traits of the greats? You know, outside of you can't coach speed. Yeah, you, you know, can't, you can't teach you can't size. Tell, you can't teach some of those things, right? But, I mean, just the the grit, the physicality, uh, commitment level. And it's just like we said. What do you we, mean commitment we level? We always say it's not just about your commitment on the field, right? What you're going to do above and beyond the football field or the basketball court or the baseball diamond. Like what? That you're going to do outside to promote the program, promote the name, show. like Because I tell the kids all the time, like living in the community, you know. Yeah. People can't wait to call me when a football player does something wrong. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I do know. I'm one know. of the first <laughs> ones. I'm one of the first ones to get a call when yeah, a football right. player is out in the community doing something wrong. No one's blogging positives, right? But, but, but I mean, <laughs> when, when we when we do so much positivity out in the community, now they're starting to realize, and hey, I'm getting messages now 
all the time about positivity yep. in the community and, you know, representing the team, the school. Because we talk about it all, you know, represent the team, the school. You represent your parents. You're, you represent me out there. And I don't want anyone having anything negative towards my name to say. So, uh, you know, you talk about character, high character. People, Coach Campbell used to always say, you know, character is who you are when no one's watching. And, you know, those are just some of the things that we try to instill in our players. So the toughness in, in, uh, in character, yep. you would say. What, what, what things show toughness to you? Some of them things like you talked about, like when you're second, third on the depth chart, what are you going to do? Are you going to hang, keep competing, go out there every day? We're at a, a bigger school here at Pine Richmond, right? So we might have some guys that are one-way players. Are you going to get on a scout team when the – so, so if you're on varsity offense, are you going to give our varsity defense a look when the scout team's out? It's going to get yourself better, get you better, get everyone better. Unselfishness. Or are you going to sit there on the sideline like, I'm a varsity starter, I'm yep. not going to help them guys out, you know? So it's just that buy-in, that commitment, you know, those are things we talk about. How about you, traits of people you're leading in business? You, you lead a large group of people. Traits are the best to you. Traits are the best. You know, I think probably coachability, humility. Uh, there's so many. Work ethic, um, grind, uh, loyalty. I mean, it's hard to pick one. Uh, you know, I, I see these, these going the extra mile. I see a lot of these kids show up at youth practices and help. Um, he runs a youth camp that, that helps. So, uh, you know, besides talent, I think obviously – you know, if you're a coach, you can't ignore talent. Like you look at a kid, and, no doubt. You know, but talent doesn't always just auto give you a good team culture, right? So it's like, what kids, whether there's talent or not, are going to help bring my unit together? Um, and that is going the extra mile. They're vocal. They're cheering. You're you're on it, whether that's sports or business. You mentioned uh, culture. Like you're great at culture. Yeah. Um, I'd have to imagine winning as much as you've won you've had you've had to be great at facilitating culture um how how do you both would you suggest what's the best way of bringing different personality traits together you know you have people of different walks of life you have people with different personalities getting them to be cohesive you know and things of that nature how do you do that it's about building that relationship with everybody and making sure people understand who everyone else is, you know. I don't got to build a relationship with the kid as well as, you know, having the kids build relationships with each other, understanding their obstacles, understanding their background, their beliefs, and everything else. So, How do you do that? Uh, a lot Anything of team, intentionally? Just, just some uh, team bonding stuff, you know. We're doing different types of activities when we're going out, and we pair them up with different groups because uh, even though we're all part of the football team, there's our – Separate groups, separate cliques in that football team where these guys live in the same neighborhood. No doubt. Or these guys, uh, you know, aren't – their families aren't as so wealthy split as these families. And get so them with we, different we people? We try to interact with different different kids e- each time we do something. Okay. How about yeah, you? Yeah, from a, I think it's impossible to probably have a good team without a good team culture. You know, so he just mentioned it with the relationships. Uh, to follow up, I, I, you know, I think – maybe setting what an expectation is for the good culture. What, what do you expect from a team and making sure that you're giving them individual attention and what their role is as an individual and building them up. And then how does that also fit into the team and the team culture? You'd hate to concentrate on what 
is bad culture. Yep. But you need to patrol it if it happens from an individual. Like, hey, this is against our expectation. This is yeah. against what the team culture. Where it gets very hard is when you have a talented player that continuously goes against what's good for, for the culture. So cheering your teammates on. I mean, there's so many small specifics that you could do from relationships to cheering people on to uh, body language on the field to You're what happens. You're big on body language. What, so. uh, you know I mean? What, what, you just, what happens when a play goes wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you don't want them yelling at each other on the field doing this and, and, and whatnot. You know, that, that, that's going to hurt the team culture. So, um yeah, I mean, it, it's a constant patrol. It's a constant patrol. You, you mentioned, you know, you got to have talent. You got to have skill. You, you got to have players. You got to have players. Yes. How do you manage egos? You know, people that have an ego. I mean, you, you got to have some people that have come across your path that got big egos, right? Yeah. I mean, How do you manage the, the, the ego? What is the strategy? You know, if you could think of, all right, here's, here's a strategy for – if I got a player that's talented, they get results. Big ego, you know what I mean? Unhealthy, just too big of an ego. What do you What do you do? Sometimes that's tough to manage, especially like when you say this guy's probably one of our best players. They're tough, but it, it's a it's a lot of you know like Matt Matt talked about building that team culture, that relationships. Uh, <clears throat> we hopefully start to chop egos down where they care about others before themselves. Uh, we're really big on forget about me, I love you, you know, the family type thing. And uh, it's just put others before yourselves. You're going to have egos sooner or later. You just got to put them in check before they become too much of a problem. In the beginning. Yes, sir. How about you, Maddie? How do you manage Yeah, constantly patrolling constant and preaching about it. We're, you know, they, they this anybody got to know from the NFL down to a peewee football program or a business – that no individual is bigger than the program, no individual is bigger than the team, coach included, to boss, to a new trainee. So you just have to know that your actions, that could be consequences, and what's tough about a coach is would they bench a player like that? You know, and, and that over At the what years, point do you bench a player or cut a player with an with a ego that could be a little bit toxic, in your opinion? I mean, once it starts to become detrimental to the team, yeah. You know, other players will see it and may make comments yeah. to that individual or to the coaching staff. And when it starts to, to become detrimental to the team where the focus is more on that player's behavior yeah. than what we're trying to focus on as a team, then it's time to maybe let that player go. Yeah. And hopefully you're doing things in the meantime. Do if you're doing that. more good Stinks than bad yep. and it hasn't killed the whole culture it's just an ego issue we're working with but it hasn't killed our our team culture yeah. then we can groom through that sometimes you you compromise a little and work oh, through yeah. things but once it becomes detrimental yeah. to a little bit more patience they put four touchdowns on the board yeah i, re- I think of jimmy johnson he, he he cut the backup uh qb for sleeping during trainees yeah. tapped him on a sh- he cut him and, and they were like what would you do if it was Troy Aikman sleeping during yeah. the film? And he was like, well, I'd walk over, I'd wake him up, tap him <laughs> on the shoulder, say, hey, watch. And they were like, he was like, it's good to be Troy Aikman. So, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, well, you got some talent. Yeah, you, you want to give him a little leadway. Everybody, if, you know, if you got somebody that, look, it is what it is. It's business and it's sports. If you got someone that doesn't have the talent level and they're a problem, it's an easier 
decision. Yeah. Someone without, and you'll have that people without talent. But but as soon as you even, get to yep. get up to those next levels, you yep. know, yep. it's not just talent that takes you there. So there's a certain point the higher you go, catch up, and yep. now you got to do something else. And yep. you know, varsity football tends to get there, but once you get to that next level in college, now it's there. Because there's someone just 100%. as talented as you that's willing to do everything else that you're not. So, coaching styles, um, I think I've learned, you know, that everybody has their own coaching style. You know, I think what works for one doesn't work for for the next. How would you describe your your coaching style? Are you more in your face, passionate, or more like chill, quiet? Yeah, I'm you know. kind of more chilled, relaxed when it comes to coaching outside of Fridays. Like, I'm intense on Fridays and get after it on Fridays for sure. But during the week, I mean, I'm more of a mental type guy. Hey, we need to know what we're doing, how we're going to adjust, things like that. The physicality part, you know, we're in there every day grinding. We probably uh, hit more at camp than any team in PA. Now there's limits on how much you could hit in the season after camp comes out, but uh, you know we're still in full pass probably a lot more than most teams. So, but energy level wise, or you know, praising public, reprimanding private sounds good, right? What do you feel about about that? Like, are, are you open to public criticism sometimes of, of of players on the team and practice? You know, stuff like that. So I would say my, my style has morphed over time and changed. Of course. As, as a younger dude, I was the high-energy guy and in everybody's face, screaming, high-intensity. Uh, as I got into head coaching, you know, I got guys that do that for me now. I'm more of a guy, hey, we're going to talk. I want like, like I talked about earlier, I want to get in your mindset, see what you were thinking and how we could correct that thinking. So uh, much more of a mental guy now than a in-your-face, high-energy type dude. What what coaches uh, do you see that you admire in, in the game, be it college, pro, anybody that stands out to you as far as coaches that you would aspire to be like or that you say, man, I take things from that or this is what I like about that, that player? Yeah, that I guess uh, – I mean, Coach Belichick is probably like one of the dudes that I look up to, and he he really doesn't change who he is either. You know, he always got the cutoff hoodie on. He's just he's just him, but he's a very mental, intelligent dude when it comes to the game. And uh, a lot of the coaches that he he brings on his staff are that same way. Uh, you know, that one of the keys for Belichick, right? You know where where he was uh, bloodline. His dad was from. Know that. Youngstown. Okay. Struthers. We'll claim him. Struthers. We got to squeeze him. We got to squeeze him in. But his, his dad Frank. was from Struthers. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with yeah, the area, yeah, yeah. but it's right out, right outside of, uh, of, of Youngstown. Um, Maddie, what, what do you think everybody has? Do you think people have different leadership styles? Like what works for one person yep. won't work for somebody else. And uh, which what traits have you pulled from leaders in your experience yeah, a and, and things? I, I, I'm going to slaughter the saying, but it's like uh, something about authentic version of you is way better than a fake version of someone else, basically. So, like, even just in an art, your, your style is completely different than mine. I can't be you. 
So I just try to look at every trait that I admire, whether it's delivery or something, uh, and just make it my own and just be mean and, and deliver it. And at the same time, I'm always self-auditing um, myself. Like, okay, what are you good at? What do you need? To, you're, you're not good at delivering this. You need to be better at that and just making it my own. And I just watching him coming into the community and haven't seen him change. The, the guy I met a couple of years ago at a party and same style, same delivery. You come in a community, it, it could be easy to to start playing a role, acting a certain way, I guess. Um, and uh, he's, you know, same. I would like to think if somebody met me 14 years ago, same as, as then, but just a better version of myself, not a fake version, if that makes sense. I'm grateful that you're that you're coming on the grind cast. I, I know how I mean we're we're mid season coming off a loss on a Monday yep. and we got you over here in the studio. Says a lot, man. We really appreciate you know your time. What's what uh wrap up couple couple more questions, I'll get you out of here. Yep. We gotta go get a victory here. Yep. Uh what do you want the personality of, of your team to be? Uh, so I, I still preach that Western PA style football, right? So that personality, you know, we're going to be good individuals, high character people. But once we get on the field, we're going to flip that switch and we're going to hit everything that moves. So, I mean, that's kind of like a silent assassin. I love it. So I love it. I like it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned it already in, in the beginning. Um, do you have a routine, a daily routine or anything in season or, or any type of routines that you're following? Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's a day-to-day grind. Like I said, I'm up early for the most part in the work, out of work, the football. Got to get some kids' activities in, whether it's their practices or, you know, off to a late dinner, eat dinner at 9 o'clock, yes. and then in season I'm probably getting another hour worth of filming at least. Uh, another hour wor- worth of film? Yeah, once, After? once I'm at home, yeah. Okay. And then the amount of emails and text messages that I get, I'm kind of glued to the phone in season, and the wife lets me know about it sometimes. So we try to put that away on try to put that away on Saturdays. Saturday's the day. Yeah. You don't want to mess with Maggie either. <laughs> Saturday's the day. Yeah. So I, I like it. So I think, you know, wrapping up, what, what advice would you give to players and coaches? You know, uh, players um, – they want to play for you or they just want to play that. I want to start and I want to play for, for high caliber team uh, other than talent. You know, what would you tell those players? This is what it, this is what it requires in my experience. I mean, I think it's just all about that commitment and, and the daily grind. Like, so describe uh, a high level of commitment versus a low level of commitment in a daily grind. So commitment wise, you know, you got guys that come into the locker room, Five minutes before the lift session, leave the locker room five minutes after practice. You got guys that are in there 25, 30 minutes before a lift session, getting some additional stretch, getting some maybe uh, PT from the trainers, maybe with our uh, yoga coach stretching out, getting ready before we go into uh, the Damn, weight we room. yoga coaches in yeah. fire right, Wow. <laughs> Dang. I didn't have that at KO. KO guy. I coached him at KO. Well, we had yoga in, uh, coaches. No, I oh, coached okay. him back in 2009, 2008. You were the yoga coach? No. But then, you know, and then after practice, they're there for another half hour, 45 minutes. May I ask to get another, hey, outside of the team film session, coach, can, can we get on the board for another half hour? Can we get another film session in? Uh, you know, 
putting chairs up in the locker room that are left out. You know, every day we got a routine. I got like three or four seniors circling the locker room, making sure chairs are all the same way in the locker, making sure helmets are facing the same way. Just the little things, you know. We talk about this is our house, taking care of our house. They walk outside, there might be a piece of paper on the ground. Right. Are you going to pick it up or are you going to walk by? Yep. You know, those are all the little things that go into the commitment to big team little me. Coaches, you know, I, I see uh, players, you know, like in our business, you know, we'll, I have people that get worked up because they put a lot of time into somebody and, and maybe they don't make it. You know, they don't, they don't stick. Um, I always tell them, I said, well, Nick Saban has 100% turnover. <laughs> he loses everybody. So how do you how do you manage, you know, you you do all this work with the player, right? Freshman year, ego, build them up, teaching them the game, finally got them rolling, got them rocking, they're gone. You know, they go to college, we got to start that, you know, whole process back over again. How do you how do you manage the like you you have 100% turnover? Yeah, you got it's a cycle for sure, and you know, I think the the staff that I assembled is just like business, you know, the employees that you your hire, got or whatever. your core. Yeah. You got my guys that the staff that I assembled. It it sucks because none of them really want to go on to be a head coach. I know I got stability with them. <clears throat> Excuse me, but are they going to get content in their position and say, you know, I'm doing the same thing over and over again? How do you do that? So, so I, you got a loyal person. You so got I somebody go that's been been rolling with you. Okay, yeah. coaching. They're coaching with you. They don't want to be a head coach but they're getting content in their position. But they've been with you for a while. You love them. Yep. What do you do? I go out. I go out and challenge these guys every day. You know, what are we going to do to get better today? I challenge the coaches just like I challenge the kids. Hey, this kid, bring him up. Get him ready. You know Have I mean? you ever had to get what rid of somebody do? that got content? <clears throat> I mean, sometimes in the profession you got to get rid of guys. You know, I, I had to get rid of a couple coaches last season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got rid of a coach or two last season after a 13-3 and three state championship season because – After winning. I don't think their belief and mentality was in the same direction as the programs. Takes a lot you of know, guts. A uh, couple right. years before that, you know, Penn Hills, you know, we had some uh, changeover in staff after another state championship team. But, uh, you know – How do you do that I, after uh, you're just like, man, I care about these people. I built – I mean, you are spend so much time with, with them. relationships. That yeah, that's tough. At the end of the day – What do you do? At the end of the day, it's the program expectation, right? This is my program, how I want my program to be run and what the expectations are. So are you are. okay if they don't like you after that? You, you, sometimes you lose a friend or two, but at the end of the day uh, – I always say I got enough friends anyways, right? But uh, at the end of the day, I made that commitment taking this position and I'm going to do what's best for this program. And sometimes I may go against some of my beliefs because it's for the betterment of this program. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. Last question to a player um, or to a coach, excuse me. What What does it take? You know, they see now multiple state championships, you know, must be nice. Wish I was you, you know, living in a nice community, winning. You got all this stuff, but you're like, man, it was a grind. I started over here, and this is what people don't see. What What are the things that you think an aspiring coach needs to hear that they don't see in you that took you to get to where you currently are right now? Uh, I think the big thing is consistency, right? Uh, when I was at Shaler, we won two games in three years. 
But I challenge my staff every week to come in with a game plan and to prepare our kids the best that we could. Now, I didn't do anything different than we did at Shaler versus Penn Hills or Pound Richard. So that comes to talk about you got some athletes now, you got some players. But how hard it was to show up mm. to week when you're not seeing right. those results. But how can I challenge them this week to continue to invest and put the time and the effort in to get in our group ready, you know, because at 2-30 and 30 or whatever my record was coming out of Shaler, there were a lot of doubters out there. Like, hey, this guy's coming to Penn Hills now. Head coach? You went right into head, head coach? I was head coach of Shaler, too. No, but at Penn Hills, they took you right, right as the pen, head after 2-30? So, yeah. Somebody was so, smart. But there was somebody there was, was smart. There was a belief in – you know, when I went into that interview process, who I was as an individual, and I was a man of my word, everything I mentioned during that interview process, I held up my end of the bargain, you know, and bringing that team together, bringing the community involved, caring about the kids, you know, being bringing role models around the kids and all that good stuff. So it's just consistency in what you're doing. Uh, yeah, you got to get on the right coaching staff. You got to get yourself around the right uh, individuals on that staff because – collectively as a group is what you need to succeed. One coach, one good coach with a couple of bad coaches isn't going to have success. So it's consistency on that staff. Uh, haters, naysayers, two and 30, one and three, whatever. How do you deal with the noise or naysayers or people that talk bad about you or what you got going on? It's kind of like, you know, a uh, horse race, you know, the, the horses wear the blinders. We won't worry about them people outside. Now. Outside of the locker room, people can say what they want. I don't care about them. You know, they don't impact me. They're not going to impact who I am. I'm not going to change who I am or what I do because of them. And a lot of that was instilled in me growing up. We had so many haters about the Aliquippa community, you know, people from other communities thinking they were better than us, just as individuals and people, you know, not athletically. But, you know, we just always blocked those haters out and just went about our business and Love then it. just let them, let them hate on us. Go ahead. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you both for Amen. your time today. Uh, both of you have a lot of influence, you know, over, over a lot of people. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm grateful to get to know you. Coach, congratulations yeah. well, on, uh, on all your success. Sure. Maddie, grateful to have you as a part of my life, man. Of course. Uh, anytime I'm Same. around you is, is, uh, is a good day. And uh, so, you know, Coach, you know, wrapping up, man, I'm, I'm hearing 80 hours a week. You know, people don't – they don't get what it what it requires. 80 hours a week, up at 5 o'clock in the morning. They say you can't do it all. This man is working, uh, has a, has a big-time job as a head coach of a high school program that has high expectations. you got highest expectations of yourself as a father. You're in the community and you're doing it all. And, and it sounds like the secret is you got to get up early. And, and he, he said grind more than I say grind in the grind cast room. So this is perfect to have you uh, in the grind cast room. We, we really appreciate you and, and uh, anybody in the area. Uh, let's let's get behind Coach the Don, John LaDon uh, at PR. And, uh, man, I appreciate having you around in the community and appreciate having you up here today. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me for sure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in another episode of The Grind. Get ready. It's a new day. 